Well, hello, all you decked out deer out there. That was a bit of a tongue twister. Welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about conservation, sustainability, and nature. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, and I'm joined by the ever festive Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? Hi, I'm not festive at all right now. There's, but I, I know have- you're already ready. You're like, <laughs> you're like, it's Christmas season just prepared all the I'm, time. I'm internally festive. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Oh man. I honestly, I'm exhausted. I am ready for my moving, my, my months long moving process to be over. Yep. My dog got sick again. Uh, Come on, Murray. Past week. I think he's doing fine now, but that the dog in the house took up all of my spare time this week. So, so it was a long one, but I'm glad to be here as always. How are things on your end? How are, how are things up in your neck of the woods? <laughs> uh, they're good. They're crazy. As per usual, we're like on our yeah. first step to our house hunting journey, which I know like just from every other person in my life who's bought a house in the last year, is just going to be its own, um, a struggle. Um, it's, it's a bit of a endeavor, but, uh, you know, we're in the holidays and, um, doing a lot of holiday stuff and hopefully going to take some days off because I need to sleep and rest my brain. Yes. Um, but I, I and you know what, I'm, I'm waiting for snow. Like I'm, <laughs> I know I'm, I've been grateful. We talked about this last week, grateful for some warm weather but I really could use some snow to really remind me that this is the season that we're in. And then it can get a little warm again, but I just need like some snowflakes to really remind us like, Hey, Santa's about to be here. Have you looked at your forecast? Are you, are you predicted to have a white Christmas? We are. I, I highly doubt it. We're like still in the forties and fifties right now. We have not consistently gotten down anything low, which like being at work where you're in an outside job, you're happy about to a certain extent, but you know, nothing quite like a, a white Christmas. And we've talked about this before, like in Florida, you just never get a white Christmas. Nope. And I do love a good white Christmas. This is, it's, it's like the only time that I am sad to not have the snow, but again, right now it's 80, 85 degrees here today. I'm, like, right. I'm good. I'm fine with that. I'll take it. I always wondered for like our Australian listeners, you like listen yeah. to I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and just be like, how absurd, like, <laughs> like, where are my Australian Christmas songs that are like, you know, whatever weather you guys are having, come on, the, the Southern hemisphere has to have some Southern centric Christmas songs, I feel like, but I, they're at least not popular in the state. Right. We'll, we'll do some research. <laughs> yes. Send us some. <laughs> so I have been really enjoying seeing other folks do the homework from last week speaking of being festive because we'd asked folks to post pictures of their trees so DC yeah. gave us a, a good rundown of different types of trees and the environmental costs of each type of tree to try to determine what the greenest Christmas tree is. And so we asked folks to share their trees and their tree plans with us. And I've only seen a couple. I haven't shared mine yet. 
like I said, it was a crazy week. I did try. I tried to share mine and then Instagram malfunctioned as I was posting it and I got really angry. Yeah. <laughs> like it's already past my bedtime. Forget it. But I will. I'll I'll get on and post previous year's pictures of my tree. But there it was fun to see people's trees. I also was pretty amazed at some of the comments that I saw. So, I mean, my mom shared her tree. My mom's a very faithful listener. Thanks, mom. She is. Thanks <laughs> so much for all your contributions. I enjoy it. I'm like, oh, look at the birds Sarah's mom saw this week. That's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I, I really do appreciate it. But so, and I already knew, of course, what, what type of tree she had. And, you know, she does just have a, a sort of lower end artificial tree, but I also know that she's going to keep it until it will not stand (laughs) anymore, basically. Um, But somebody commented on her post that they have an artificial tree, but they, because my my mom shared in her post what we had talked about and, you know, the, the benefits of getting a fresh cut tree over an artificial tree, but somebody posted or commented on her post that they have had their artificial tree for 31 years. And I say hats off to you, person. I won't share your name because I don't know that you actually listen to the podcast or want (laughs) your name to be shared. But this person has had their artificial tree for 31 years. And I think that's amazing. And it made me reevaluate my own artificial, like what's 10 years? Come on, Sarah. Like (laughs) I I will reevaluate that goal. So that's been fun to see. And I also had thoughts both from the homework assignment and even just while when I was posting our episode last week as I was kind of writing the the summary because I'd said something about how we talk about the pros and and cons of different types of trees and that made me think like I mean there's trees have pros and cons there are no environmental pros really to an artificial tree right they're not really doing anything good for the environment environmental yes but they have other other pros but that it just kind of got me thinking and it it you know thinking about reevaluating things that are important to us because we talked last week about and the and the, the week prior how we don't want to take anyone's holiday joy away from them and you shouldn't have to give up your traditions to be environmentally friendly. And I still very much stand by that. But I do also think what we talk about, just being aware of the issues, building your knowledge, thinking about the small steps that you can take, these are steps and they can lead to bigger steps. And it's good to reevaluate what's important to you. So as much as I complained last week about not being able to put up my tree this year, I did start to think like, really, I I don't need a Christmas tree. You know, at the time that I bought my, my artificial tree several years ago, I really wanted a tree. Like it really felt important to me. I was living far away from family. I just wanted this, this kind of piece of joy. And, you know, now I'm thinking like, you know, I feel like after we talked last week, after I am unable to use my current tree anymore, whether it's because it breaks or the dog destroys it, or I'm no longer physically able to put it up. You know, I don't think I'm going to get another one. Maybe one of those little um, Norfolk pines that you talked about, just get a a live one. 
maybe. Yeah, like a little houseplant version. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. so I, I don't know. Those, that was my pondering uh, from the homework. Sorry. That was kind of a tangent, but I know I think that's, it, it, it was a realization that I had. I, I think that's like really kind of what we're talking about. We, we really stress like, Hey, last week we talked about how fresh cut tree spoilers, if you haven't listened, are uh, <laughs> in general going to be more environmentally friendly than artificial trees. But that doesn't mean that that, tr- that greenest option is the right option for your family. Um, so like keeping those things in mind, but I, I do also, I, I appreciate that you've rethought kind of the context in which that object has sort of changed over the course of your life. So even an object that you plan to keep for as long as you possibly can, doesn't mean that you'll necessarily then immediately replace it. And there are probably lots of other objects in our life that are very similar where we Mm -hmm. might think, I I think about my mom, she ended up winning a free TV last year, but she's also at a point where she's a little bit like, I don't almost use my TV almost not at all. So, so what things might just end up phasing and instead of automatically replacing them with something that is the same thinking about, uh, how to change the way we approach it and reevaluate each of those choices when they do come up. So I appreciate that. I, I, I feel like then that the episode worked, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well done. Well done. There we go. Well, I have said that we have a Christmas tree plan, which was the homework for last week, but that's because my family business recycles them. So I have perhaps the easiest plan. <laughs> um, but as someone who is a Christmas tree retailer, I have uh, used some of my facts from the episode for people coming in being like, Hey, it can reduce your carbon footprint by like 80% of the tree and really encouraging people to, to make that move. It's just kind of exciting. Cause it, it, you know, you can make it on a bigger scale than just yourself. So, um, I just have that opportunity at work, but remember that if you work at a place, this might be your opportunity to on lots of the different issues that we cover here, implement them on not just a personal household level, but also at your place of work too. And you can even do that just by continuing to share, you know, that's why we ask you sometimes to do these things on social media so that you yeah. can share them and other people can, can see them as well. So we are going to keep the, at least semi holiday spirit going with our episode this week as well. But before we get into our main discussion, Casey question for you, another holiday tradition, movies, Christmas movies, holiday movies, whatever. Give me some of your favorites. Okay. So my favorite Christmas movie is Santa Claus is coming to town, which is an old like claymation. Yeah. I don't know what year it's from, but it is the best one <laughs> in my <laughs> humble opinion. Okay. Um, <laughs> although I, I do, uh, literal drummer boy makes me cry every time. Also claiming we basically just grew up on the claymation movies. Like my sister, uh, is dating someone. I asked him what his traditions was like, as far as holiday films. And he was like, yeah, we were a national lampoons family. And that was way too risque for anything <laughs> I was allowed to consume as a child. And so we were very classic, like it's the claymations for the win. Although I'm also a big elf fan as well. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, we were discussing that a little bit. Uh, and I think they hold up for the most part. Like there's, I, we rewatch them every year and I enjoy that a lot. I appreciate those old claymation ones as well. Although I think the two that you named are maybe my 
my least favorite. Really? What are your <laughs> the ones okay. that I, I I just don't watch as often or okay. haven't seen as often. So, well, my favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Like, okay, not, I not a watched that one. Okay, yeah. it's a classic, and everybody should watch it at least once. Not everybody's gonna like it. Obviously, the old black and white. It's very like very sweet syrupy kind of um right. movie but I love it the last five minutes make me cry every single time doesn't matter how many times I watch it even if I'm only watching the last five minutes I will start crying it's fantastic also a newer although I guess it's it's from the mid 90s so that's not so new anymore but the preacher's wife my mom oh. and I love this. You you know the preacher's wife? I know the preacher's wife. I I haven't seen it in a long time. Like okay, well, when I was a kid, I saw it. But yeah, I think that the preacher's wife is fantastic, and I don't understand why more people don't love it. This is the movie that is the answer to the trivia question. The movie that I quoted a couple of episodes oh. back in our greeting your gift giving. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a pair of gym socks. That is from The Preacher's Wife. And I quote it all the time. Such a good movie. Whitney Houston, Denzel Washington. Yeah, there's some hard hitters in it. It's It's yes, it's so good. The soundtrack is amazing. Oh, I love it. I'll probably watch it again tonight. Uh, So I love that one. But then I do love those old ones too. Some of the older ones in particular, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I don't want any of your Rudolph's shiny New Year's Eve or whatever. You can keep that. Oh, the creepy New Year's baby. Con <laughs> Cornelius and my elf that wants to be a dentist. Like, yes. I love that one. Oh, and um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Again, the cartoon version. The cartoon, yeah. I don't, I don't need any of the newer ones. I, I watched a little bit of the newer one the other day, and I was like, huh the memes of the Grinch hold up, but the actual like performance, although there is an anti-consumerist message in there. And I did appreciate Cindy Lou Who's whole, like, isn't this a lot going on? So <laughs> I mean, but that's the whole point of the original too. Isn't, is, yes. are you talking about the Jim Carrey one? Yes. Because apparently there's another one too. Oh, I did hear. Yeah. Nope. I have no, nope. I give me my original, like, I love the original. You're me one, Mr. Grinch. Yeah song as well so we're going down a rabbit hole yeah we are <laughs> we'll, we'll, you brought uh, up Rudolph we'll, yeah we'll carry, <laughs> we'll carry on with our movie discussion that after was the, the segue. recording <laughs> <laughs> I know and then I I had to mention the Grinch uh but yeah so uh Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was, is one of my favorites to watch I like to watch it every year and that friends is what we're going to be talking about not Rudolph specifically, but we're a little bit Rudolph specifically, but we're going to be talking about reindeer tonight. We'll talk a little bit about the myth and the tradition of reindeer, but we're also going to talk about real life reindeer. So stick around for that. Welcome back, everybody. So we are talking about the reindeer tonight. We're taking a a little break from our sort of greening the holidays episodes that we've done. And my inspiration for wanting to do this episode, if, if you're new to the podcast, Casey and I 
met because we were both working as conservation educators, which, you know, being in that field for a while, Casey, I don't know about you, I have talked to several people, full-grown adults, who genuinely did not know that reindeer are real animals. Have you had that experience as an educator? I can't recall a particular moment, but I do think it is worth, like, I think what you're kind of putting down as well is that even animals that we put in popular culture Mm -hmm. are not necessarily represented. Like they're, they're not necessarily representative and they don't always inspire like conservation action because in this case, lots of people just don't realize that they are a real thing that (laughs) exists and doesn't fly. Right. And lives in nature. Yep. We, we see these in, and I mean, this it's, it happened to be multiple times over the years. So, uh, a, a good handful of people that I've I've spoken to that were surprised to learn that reindeer are real because they are just so wrapped up in this sort of mythology of Santa Claus and Christmas. And this is the only time that people are seeing these animals. So they just kind of associate them with that myth and 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 think that they're fake. So we're going to talk a little bit about how this myth came to be how reindeer even got associated with the holidays and we're going to talk a little bit about how awesome real life reindeer are as well so real quick I don't want to spend too long on this but I do want to just kind of go into a little bit of the history of the holidays and and how reindeer came to be associated with Santa I learned that the history of Santa is very convoluted. I'm not even going to go into all of that, but just FYI for you, Santa kind of starts with St. Nicholas way back in the fourth century, but his connection to reindeer didn't come until much, much later. Also interesting to note, again, Casey and I both live in the United States. This is the story of Santa Claus for us. Santa is associated with reindeer but he's not everywhere. So depending on where you're listening from, you may have no idea what we're talking about. Santa might ride a horse or a donkey. So also real animals. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But uh, so Santa, the, the story of Santa seems to have spread to the United States, not until the kind of late 1700s, early 1800s. And the first mention of Santa with a reindeer didn't come until 1821. So there was a book published called The Children's Friend, A New Year's Present to the Little Ones. And it had a poem and I just have to read this out loud. It goes, old Santa Claus with much delight, his reindeer drives this frosty night for chimney tops and tracks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to you. Perhaps the rhyme structure is different. Perhaps <laughs> so, but it really like it makes my spine tingle just reading it. I really, uh, I really need those last two lines to rhyme. So. But apparently, that was the first uh, mention of reindeer with Santa Claus, and we're not really sure why. Why that came to be? Apparently, that year was a very harsh winter so it may have been inspired by that somehow is is a theory um but other than that it's kind of a mystery as as to why 
they chose reindeer for Santa's mode of transportation. But that was kind of the first known mention of reindeer with Santa Claus. In Casey, I usually ask you animal related questions, but I have a, a Christmas trivia question for you tonight. Do you know the names of eight Santa's eight reindeer? So no Rudolph. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. Well done. Got it done. I w- so I w- went to a basketball game once and, uh, and it's like the NBA and they were doing like sometimes on the screen, they'll have like the athletes do different trivia and mm-hmm. it was the holidays. And so they had like two of our players face off. One of the players was from Central Africa. I believe he was from Cameroon. And they were like, what are Santa's eight reindeer? And, and like, <laughs> the pure confusion on the man's face because apparently in central Africa, they do not have Santa with reindeer. And so he was like, dear one, dear two. (laughs) I was like, what an unfair question. How culturally insensitive, but, uh, but I can name them. (laughs) Yes. Well done. It is true though. I have to admit a little bit of ignorance because this is just such common lore in the United States. Pervasive. Yeah. I forget that it's not necessarily uh, a global thing. So I will admit to being guilty of that myself as well, but yes, well done with the names of, of, Santa's eight reindeer. Those actually came from a poem back in 1823 called A Visit from St. Nicholas, which is what we know as the night before Christmas. That's old. Yeah. Yep. That's older than I would have thought. Um, Clement Charles Moore was the author there. Most interesting to me and kind of sad about this whole thing was coming across the name Carl Lohman. This guy was a businessman in Alaska, he became known as the Reindeer King. And apparently he uh, helped kind of solidify this connection between Santa and reindeer. I, and it was kind of a marketing thing. I don't really understand what his goals were. He wanted to have the have reindeer trade basically in the United States. He wanted he he had reindeer and he wanted reindeer to be like cattle basically. He wanted to have there to be a reindeer meat market and fur and all of that. And so apparently he ended up working with Macy's department store and helped to develop a promotional Christmas parade led by Santa and his reindeer, which was then copied by uh, other cities as time went on. So this was basically a marketing thing to help, I guess, just people to be more aware of reindeer. I don't really understand the connection of how having reindeer associated with Santa would increase the meat and fur trade. Right. I feel like Loman was like, they're going to see these tasty, tasty looking reindeer and be like, I see them pulling Santa's sleigh but I want to eat that. Like, I don't understand that at all. That, I mean, to popularize, but, but as we've, we've just discussed, it hasn't worked. No, because people don't even know that they're real in some cases. So yes, it didn't didn't work for uh, several reasons. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The reindeer market never took off here in the United States, but I just thought that was interesting. This all came from a a history today.com article so I will admit to that that's where I got most of that information so um so take that 
for what you will, but uh, but that's kind of the story of how that came to be. Rudolph didn't appear until 1939, and this was another marketing thing. Montgomery Ward department stores, if you remember that, uh, commissioned an author by the name of Robert L. May to write a story that they could give to kids visiting their stores around the holidays. And apparently that one took off, no pun intended. So <laughs> the first Rudolph movie came out in 19 1948. That's not the one that you and I like though, Casey. The, the song Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer came out in 1949. And then the one that I grew yeah. up watching um, didn't come out until the 1960s. But there you go. That's kind of your quick history on how reindeer came to be associated with Santa Claus. And for people who just kind of celebrate Christmas, the sort of secular Christmas holiday that grew up with these movies, grew up with these stories, these songs, these images, if you really think about it, like we were saying, it's it's not too hard to understand how these animals might be assumed uh, to be mythical. There are other contributing factors on top of that. If you go back and watch, I haven't watched it yet this year. I need to find out if it's even been on TV. But if you go back and watch that stop motion 1960s Rudolph, they don't even look like real reindeer. No, they do not. <laughs> they look like white-tailed deer. Rudolph is Bambi essentially. Yeah, like that is yeah, what you're looking at there. Yeah. Which is is not what reindeer actually look like. Casey, have you ever seen a reindeer in person? Sure have. Yeah. Uh, at our old workplace. Did you? We would have yeah, we would have reindeer come uh for Christmas. I know we would. I literally never got out there. I never saw them. Oh, well, a new animal coming in. I was like, oh, I yeah. need to see what's going on here. So um, and then I think I've seen that them at zoos when I was a kid, um, a local zoo had them as part of it. I actually have been trying to track down some reindeer for our Christmas light show. Oh yeah. Um, because one of the things that we're going to talk about is that reindeer are not just wild animals. They're actually also domesticated animals. So you will mm -hmm. find them in a variety of situations, but if you've never seen a reindeer before, they don't look like white tailed deer. They're much furrier. They're much like stockier. Yes. Lower to the ground. Not so it's like spindly and delicate. They're yeah. definitely like you could see them kind of pulling a sleigh situation mm -hmm. with big old antlers. Yeah. Um, very impressive. They they look kind of mythical. <laughs> like if, if you if you catch them on a good day, you know, like like especially the ones at farms where they're like a little groomed and like very like they have fur and the, I don't know. I think that they they look kind of it's so charming. If you've seen Frozen, to just keep going with the animated movies, oh yeah, that's getting a little closer yeah. to an actual reindeer. Obviously, it's still an exaggerated animated version, but that's that's much closer to what a reindeer actually looks like. So think of that bigger, shaggier fur, and like Casey was saying, stockier. Not they're not gigantic and terrifying right. like Sven moose is are. very big. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They're much uh, yeah, smaller. No, yeah. moose. Much smaller than moose. Oh, yeah. I love moose. We'll talk about moose one day. But yeah. Oh, I'm terrified of moose. But but yeah, I actually don't. I probably have at some point. I've probably seen a reindeer in, in person, and I'm just not not remembering well enough. Um, but but much different than those white-tailed deer. The actual kind of story of reindeer is maybe a little more complicated and confusing too than I was expecting. Another thing that might complicate people here in North America knowing that reindeer are real animals is that 
here in North America, we don't actually refer to these animals as reindeer. We refer to them as caribou. So if you this blew my mind, <laughs> like when I, when I, when I first heard of it, I was like, yeah, reindeer. And like, I think of them as like, I don't know, Chronicles of Narnia, father Christmas coming in, like uh-huh. with reindeer oh, situation, a yeah. like a very like European sort of storybook thing. And then to find out that they are just like straight up caribou yeah. that we have in the United States native to like Alaska. I was like, Oh, well, <laughs> It yes. just felt like it was like right in front of my face the whole time. And yeah, your it is. Yeah. is the yeah. same. Yep. It's exactly the same. So if you know what a caribou is, you know, reindeer, that's a reindeer. Yep. The, I just can't wrap my head around it again, all it's so reindeer live kind of circumpolar. Uh, so they live around the Arctic subarctic region and they just are, we call them different names depending on where they are. So here in North America, if we are talking about reindeer here in North America, we call them caribou. If we are talking about reindeer that live in say, Russia, wherever wherever else, we call them reindeer, same animal. Same also, animal. if we're talking about animals that have been domesticated, we call them reindeer whether it's here in North America or elsewhere. So figure that one out. They're the only domesticated deer species, which is also fascinating. Yeah, they are. They're super cool animals. Um, So as we talked about, they have a wide range. They're cold weather animals. If you know your latitude lines, they live anywhere from about 50 to 81 degrees of latitude, give or take. They can be found in Canada, Finland, Greenland, Mongolia, Norway, Russia, and the United States anymore just in Alaska, but previously have been found in the lower 48 states as well, particularly the Northwest. So kind of think uh, Washington State, Idaho, and Montana, I believe, but just within the last couple of years I think it was 2019 they actually captured the last few remaining uh, from a herd that was found in the lower 48 and moved them Um, so they are basically now extinct from the lower 48 states wow just within the last couple of years which uh, is a pretty sad thing and again especially because we've got people living in this country that that don't even know that that they exist. So interestingly as well, you can also find reindeer in the Falcon Islands, Iceland, South Georgia Island, not Georgia the country, nor Georgia the state, but South Georgia Island and the South Sandwich Islands. So these are islands that are actually in the Southern Hemisphere, kind of down, um, even, even kind of in line with the southern tip of South America. Um, So, and in those locations, they were actually introduced domesticated reindeer that became feral. So reindeer are not native in some places as well. 
So cold weather, they have that thick coat, Casey, and I were talking about it's that dual layer coat. So they have the shorter fur underneath and then those longer guard hairs that like we talked about in our winter wildlife episode are going to help trap in air and keep them nice and warm. They've got big old hooves as well that kind of function like snowshoes for them to walk around in those snowy environments. They also, I forgot to mention about their hair. This is fun. They are the only deer that have hair on their nose, which makes me wish that I could remember seeing one in person. Little fuzzy lips. Little fuzzy nose. Yep. I love it. Another thing that's kind of interesting about them is thinking about what these big animals are eating, especially in these cold climates. So it depends on the time of year. They are kind of grazers, so they'll eat leaves and grasses. But in the winter, they eat lichen. Casey, can you explain what lichen is yeah if you've ever come across like either a rock or a tree and it's got something green growing on it and you're like this feels like it's almost moss but like (laughs) if moss was just painted on a rock and kind of peeling perfect description (laughs) it's like peeling green stuff generally can come in other colors too off of rocks and off of barks of trees and things like that so it is not something that ever looks appealing to eat as a human, <laughs> but yeah, there it's not usual for large mammals to eat lichen. It's not like it doesn't have a lot of protein in it, but they have a special enzyme inside their stomach that helps break it down. So it's a interesting way for them to be able to survive a pretty unfriendly environment to most animals. And I think that that's like worth saying, like Santa is associated with reindeer because Santa lives at the North pole. Mm-hmm. And so this would be I was thinking about it. I was like, are there any other animals in the North pole that you would want pulling your sleigh? No. Like what polar bears, you want polar bears driving your sleigh. Children would be afraid of them, right? That that's another animal lives up there. Walruses. No, they're just, they're not very fast. So unless you're in water, it's not going to work. Reindeer. You can see how much I thought about this today. Reindeer well, are one of the larger animals you're going to find up there too. See, this is this is why the <laughs> author of that wonderful, wonderful poem thought of reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it is it is pretty interesting that they're able to survive on that lichen for being such large animals. Uh, I also wanted to mention their antlers because this is another thing that sort of conflicts with the the mythology that we've been given of Santa and his reindeer. If you've ever watched any of these movies or seen any pictures of Santa flying in his sleigh with these reindeer, they all have antlers. So unlike white-tailed deer, reindeer, both males and females, get antlers. The interesting thing is that males will drop their antlers in November. And females keep their antlers and they drop them the following spring, like April, May. So you know what that means. All Santa's reindeers. They're all ladies. Rudolph's the girl. So there's your your fun bit of holiday trivia that you can now stump your friends with at, at parties. I have seen it circulating a bit as a meme. As oh, well. really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, like, uh, this means that Santa's reindeer are women because, of course, they are <laughs> doing lots of work. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but it is kind of fun thing. So uh, 
the, the antlers are useful for them. The males will use them to kind of compete uh, for females and they can also use them to search for food too. Again, in that kind of icy, snowy tundra, um, they can scrape down to find some food as well with those antlers. So that's kind of reindeer in a nutshell, but one of the things that I really wanted to talk about tonight is reindeer's history with people. So you have this mythology of reindeer and Santa Claus, but reindeer are actually very important to people around the world. Casey, I learned last week from you that you, of course you have, have you did a paper on this when you were in school. Can, so can you can you talk a little bit and kind of whatever you feel like sharing to talk, talk a little bit about this connection between people and reindeer? Yeah, I, and I'll supplement it a little bit with some of the stuff you have in in our outline here, just to kind of create this complete picture. Um, as you said, according to the New York Times, twenty nine indigenous peoples have herded reindeers for centuries. So this would be mostly peoples who live up in that northern Arctic region. So you have the Nanets, and I apologize on all of this pronunciation, um, the Chuchkis, the Evenki, and the Evany in Russia. Um, and the paper I did was on um, the Sami people, and they are uh, the Sami people are an indigenous group of people to uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and the Kola Peninsula of Russia, which is also called the Samfi. Uh, I'm so sorry uh, that was a bad Nor Norsa pronunciation of that word too. Um, but the the Sami people are particularly notable because they have herded reindeer for hundreds, if not thousands of years in really Northern parts of the world where a lot of people wouldn't be able to just survive on agriculture, for example. And it's a really important part of Sami culture, but it's also by no means practiced by all Sami people. And it's sort of been used to pigeonhole the Sami identity through their government policy. So like in Sweden, for example, they had an act where sometime, I think in the 1900s, Sweden was like, we have to kind of define what this group of people is. And so we will say, you are only Sami if you herd reindeer. And so the, the Sami that do herd reindeer got rights to lots of lands for herding their reindeer through. And that, that was an important part. It's basically one thing we didn't talk about is reindeer and caribou are completely migratory animals. Um, you can't live on lichen in, in, in one solid area. You have to keep traveling to find the food necessary and they live in large herds. And so the Sami people would, uh, and still do herd these reindeer across the area nomadically. And, um, and they would rely on the reindeer for meat, for furs, um, for using their hooves and antlers for different cultural items and really represented their connection with the land. Like if you are so in tune with the land that you know where to bring your animals over the course of the year, year after year to make sure that they have enough food. It means that you really have this connection and are paying attention. And uh, over generations and generations, these people have cultivated this relationship with not just the reindeer, but also the lands that they inhabit yeah. and the reindeer inhabit. 
Um, so over 250,000 reindeer are herded each year across about 40% of the Swedish lands. Um, and this is from several years ago when I did a paper in college about it. So that number might be a little bit different, um, but it's obviously a really significant number, to, like a quarter million reindeer are herded across the areas. And Sarah, I see here that the U.S. government brought over Sami herders at some point. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's interesting. And it's it's something that I wish I sort of had the bigger picture of. I read a couple of different articles that talked about it, including one that was written um, by someone who they described themselves as a descendant of the of the Sami people. But the, the, the short story is basically in the late 1800s, the, the United States government brought over about 100 Sami reindeer herders and their families, along with about 600 domesticated reindeer to introduce this practice to the Inuit people living in Alaska. So they wanted to introduce this reindeer herding as another form of, of, of living for them basically. And I had read in, in one of the articles that this was because whaling was getting harder. And so they were, they were doing this as a benefit, but then that also feels like your good old, you know, just people coming in and taking over and thinking that they know better than indigenous people, which is, not a good thing. Classic. So, <laughs> but but that is that is what happened. So this is what you're talking about. What's happening with the Inuit people about sort of government intervention to try and like in some way help the people, but also maybe move in contrast with either the way these people have operated for a long time or to sort of usurp their ability to advocate for their own interests. I don't know how the Inuit people felt about this, but that's also mm -hmm. sort of the history of the Sami people as well. Like the government being uh, trying to quote help, but oftentimes creating a situation that actually exterminates things like the Sami language, mm -hmm. cultural practices, um, by defining a Sami person as someone who herds reindeer, they basically created two social classes of Sami. And those who had moved away from reindeer herding have way less connection to not just the land, but also their language and traditional cultural practices. There's also some much darker aspects of the way that the governments have treated them, um, including things like sterilization and basically cultural genocide and that certain government policies for like, for example, the rights to Sami lands in Sweden. One of the things they talked about was making the Sami could have right to the lands if they could prove that they have used it for 90 consecutive years, but that's actually sort of counter to sustainable herding practices that the Sami have put in place where you're not necessarily using the same land year mm -hmm. after year after year because you need to allow it to regenerate. So it's just an interesting element to always have in your mind when you're talking about these folks. And obviously we don't talk uh, for them. We're not speaking right. for them. This is just based on research you and I have had and an important aspect that like, this is the reality is reindeer are not, Santa's not the first guy to be like, Reindeer, what an interesting resource. Or Loman being like, reindeer, meat and fur. <laughs> like this is something that indigenous folks have been doing for a long, long time. Absolutely. And the, the herding tradition 
continues to this day. So there are still folks continuing this practice of, of reindeer herding. I do understand the numbers are getting smaller. Um, right now, that CNN article that, that I mentioned, they said that it is about 10% of the Sami people that continue reindeer herding to to this day. There are continued pressures on them. Um, climate change is making things more difficult. It's causing them to have to supplement their, their reindeer's feed more. Um, Casey's also talked a little bit already with, about laws around land use and things like that. Both wild and domesticated reindeer herds are facing challenges from habitat fragmentation as well. So again, a lot of reindeer and caribou are migratory in some ways. Some will travel farther distances than others, but we've talked about wildlife corridors and things like that before on this podcast, but getting cut off, whether it be roads or agriculture, whatever the, the case may be, mining, um, those types of things can disrupt those herds. And then like we've talked about, climate change is, is such a beast and such a sort of unknown question mark for everything. And that includes for reindeer as well. So it's going to impact their ability to get food. It's going to impact, we, we've talked about climate change impacting migration patterns as well on this podcast. That may be an issue for them as well. Might also increase things like parasites and disease transmission uh, through the herds. Yeah. I, for uh, as things get warmer, we are seeing things like um, ticks not going through an mm -hmm. annual die-off in the wintertime, and that can put an increased burden on animals that are their hosts, like moose, for example, but also reindeer. And mosquitoes are more populous now in the, the Fennoscandia area around like Finland. Um, so those could have, they, they've shown to have big die-offs through disease spread through mosquitoes in that area. And then something called brain worms, which white tail. Oh man, we're going <laughs> to talk about moose one of these days. I, I have such, uh, I'm hoping we can actually get in contact with the moose researcher because it's really cool. But basically white tailed deer carry something called brain worms, gross, right? Scary. Um, and they can end up impacting moose and reindeer populations. And instead of just being like a benign parasite that they carry in these other species, these parasites can cause fatality. So these are all yeah, all of those little things that happen when the climate changes. And so many of these things are not things that are like so immediately mm -hmm. obvious. Like you're like, oh, well, the ice is melting. That obviously is going to be an issue. And you're like, yes. But also in some areas, it might reveal more food. Like there might be more habitable lands for these reindeer. But also you've got all these other factors, other things like extreme weather events um, where there's already snow, but then it rains and then freezes is a really big issue for um, young reindeer, especially. And then there's also predator prey relationships we haven't talked about either, which is like bears and wolves and wolverines and Arctic foxes all actually eat reindeer at different points in their life stages. And so how those predators change their populations and climate change also going to impact reindeer. For sure. So lots of things, lots of moving parts and pieces. And what that boils down to right now is that reindeer as a species are, are classified as vulnerable and their population is falling. Like I said, we've now lost reindeer in the lower 48 states here in the United States, although folks are still working to try to uh, increase protections around their 
uh, former habitat now, I guess, and hopefully are, are wanting to be able to, to reintroduce these animals down the road. So folks are working on that. But all those things that we mentioned are threats. I should mention, so we've talked about how reindeer, caribou, regardless of where they're living, are all one species. People have different thoughts and opinions around subspecies for these animals. I've seen anywhere from four to 14 subspecies of reindeer. Again, depending on where you're at and who you're talking to, you're going to get different answers. More often, it seems like they are classified either by kind of the the area, the type of area, type of habitat that they're found in, and then sometimes as well, herds are often named um, for the regions oh. that the herds are are found in. Yeah. So, but typically those kind of types that uh, that you'll hear are tundra reindeer, and then forest reindeer, mountain reindeer, and then I believe also Arctic island reindeer are kind of the four main types not really subspecies, but you'll hear reindeer kind of classified that way. Um, and again, that's just sort of based on the habitat that they're found in. So for forest and mountain reindeer, things like logging, mining, the expansion of agriculture and roads are some of their major threats for those tundra reindeer. So think that really harsh, cold Arctic tundra. Uh, the decline is maybe less understood, but some of those big things that we just talked about that are related to climate change, even things like unregulated hunting. Now, folks have been hunting reindeer for a long time as, as subsistence hunting, but as hunting sort of technology has improved, making them easier to hunt, that may be a factor now. Um, and even competition with those domestic reindeer herds because domestic reindeer herds are not part of the sort of population estimates when we're talking about classifying these animals. Um, those are all factors for the, um, the, the classification of these animals. So I hope if you're listening tonight, maybe you learned something new about reindeer. Maybe you were one of those folks that didn't know that they even really existed. Maybe you learned tonight that those animals that you knew as caribou uh, were, were actually reindeer. Um, and hopefully you learned a little bit of something about the connection that humans have to these animals too. And if you stick around, we're going to talk about what you can do to kind of keep broadening, broadening your knowledge base on reindeer. So stick around. Welcome back, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed our talk uh, about reindeer, the myth and the reality tonight. As with anything, you can only really scratch the surface in a hour-ish long podcast episode, but reindeer are super cool animals. There's a, a, a lot we could talk about, a lot of different things. What I really kind of wanted to focus on and think about tonight was reindeer's connection to people. So my challenge for this week 
is for you to learn a little bit more about some of these folks that are traditional reindeer herders. The Sami people, Casey, the one you did your paper on, they were the ones that I could find the most about as I was doing my research. They were the, that was the name that popped up most often. So you can do your own Google search out there. I'll try to share a couple of videos over our social media accounts as well. I just tried to find a couple that that were speaking to actual Sami people because Casey, as you said, we don't want to be speaking for anybody. I just want to learn about this too. So we'll share a couple of videos where you can hear from a couple of Sami reindeer herders and what their life is like. I'm also going to tag on another little challenge here with the caveat that I don't 100% know how relevant this is for reindeer in particular, but we did mention that these are this is a vulnerable species. We do want to do our part to help protect them. I will say if you're a listener in Washington state or Idaho or Montana, states where reindeer or caribou have traditionally been found, maybe take a look into that, see what's being done. Um, if there's any kind of local legislature going on as far as land protection for those animals, if you find anything, you can share that with us as well. Uh, but anyone, any, any listener, I'll just ask you to be mindful of your paper products this holiday season. So Casey's previously done a great episode on sustainable forestry and think, talking about organizations like the Forest Stewardship Council or FSC. So think about that as you're thinking about wrapping paper, greeting cards for the holiday season. Take a look and make sure that you are getting your paper from sustainable sources not just going to help reindeer, but hopefully will help reindeer and lots of other species as well. Casey, any, any closing thoughts for us? Well, just at that point, you know, forests, obviously, like you, you mentioned in here that reindeer are threatened by logging, but also being threatened by climate change forests are an important carbon mm-hmm. sink that are, are impacted in this. Um, thanks for doing this one. When you were like, let's, let's, is reindeer okay? And I was like, absolutely. Let's, <laughs> let's get into reindeer. And, and I definitely hadn't thought about it kind of in the perspective that you have framed it here as, but our connection that it just really brought to me that just because we have an animal in popular culture, when you divorce it from its natural surroundings and you sort of mythologize it in this way, that it can really lose its impact. And I don't think people would be like, yes, reindeer are real and their populations are declining due to X, Y, Z, or reindeer are real. And there are people who have been involved in reindeer herding for centuries, if not thousands of years. So uh, I appreciate you bringing this up and I hope more people will take a look at the videos that you are going to link and do a little research on um, the Sami people and other folks who have um, herded reindeer. And if you are part of one of those groups or have any sort of reindeer experience whatsoever, really, please reach out and, and, and send us an email or a message on social media so we can talk a little bit about your perspective on it. Sarah, where can they reach us if they want to do those things? They can find us on Facebook. We are a little greener podcast on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram at a little greener pod, and you can reach out to us via email anytime at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening, guys. We'll have another episode coming at you next week, which I think might be our last one before Christmas. Oh my gosh. So time's a flying. Time's flying. Um, happy holidays to everybody who's celebrating right now. We hope you all stay safe out there. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.